0: Where to for the Indianapolis Colts? The Miami Dolphins, are they the real deal? Are the New York Giants back? And plenty more to discuss this week on the Punt Return Podcast. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast for week three of the NFL season. I'm your host, Nick Splitter, as always, joined by Ryan Lepore, Leper. Another week's in the books, and we're starting to get a bit more of an understanding about what's happening around the league.
1: Absolutely, mate. Uh, week two was another sensational week. We saw some unbelievable comebacks, some that will, you know, will likely never see again in terms of um, some of the crazy stories we saw in week two. And, and as you said, it was a bit of a moving week in, in to see who, what teams are potentially the real deal, and and some that are, you know, not <laughs> at the at the moment. Is probably the nicest way to put it. With a couple of teams that will we'll go into, but, uh, yeah, another fantastic week of football. And, uh, sadly though, for us, we're we're 0 and 2 in our fantasy football league that we're co-managing. So that was the only down now on a, a pretty, um,
0: sensational week. Otherwise. Yeah. Horrific week for the, uh, the fantasy teams for, for (laughs) our, our combined one. And also for my, uh, my standalone one, I lost my, my league by 0.11 of a uh, point, which was horrific. Thanks to Adam Thielen at the end there, but, um, We'll get to some of the talking points out of week two in a minute, but Lepa, some of the injuries, again, it's another week of big-name injuries, some massive ramifications for their franchises, Trey Lance being the big one in San Francisco, a couple of others that might miss some time and, and potentially impact on their team's chances, Justin Herbert, hopefully right to go after that big hit to the ribs, uh, James Connor, Jerry Judy, Damien Harris, Dalton Schultz, Hunter Renfro, Devin Duvernay, Patrick Sertan, Akeem Hicks, and a bunch more, but what are you making out of the injury situation in the NFL? This seems like it's happening kind of early on in every season now.
1: Yeah, the the injuries just seem to get, you know, more and, and more prevalent every year and, and in terms of the extremity of them as well. So obviously we saw the Trey Lance one being the, the main talking point this week with his, with his broken ankle, unfortunately, a pretty horrific uh, injury. And, and you know, thankfully for 49ers, they've got Jimmy G still to to come in and, and it's almost like a bit of a saving grace in a way where the way Trey Lance had kind of started the season, I mean, it, it obviously was super early and I still believe in Trey Lance, but yeah, hopefully it doesn't, um, you know, affect him too much later in his, his career, but you know, being um, so young, but uh, yeah, Jimmy G obviously stepped into a, to that void and, and did pretty well. I mean, they only had to play the, the Seahawks, which created no offense at all, but Jimmy G obviously knows that team super, super well. He's led them before, you know, to an NFC Championship uh, M- NFC Championship game last year, and then, of course, the Super Bowl uh, a season prior. So he, he's, he's certainly well-versed in in leading that team. So I don't think it's going to make too much of a uh, a dint on the 49ers. A couple of other ones you mentioned, though. The one that stands out for me is probably Damien Harris uh, at this stage from the Patriots just because of his importance to that team and, and how heavily they do rely on that run game. So... Uh, he looks like he will miss some time where a couple of the guys that you mentioned might be okay to suit up in week three. But either way, there's some big names again on that injury list. And um, I think, uh, yeah, Damien Harris, like I said, is probably the, probably the main one uh, that stands out for me. Is there anything in particular that, that you're worried about and, and, and concerned
0: about going forward? Well, there's a few of those. A few of those listed with concussion symptoms, and and whether they remain in protocol uh, over the course of the weekend is, is probably the big question. A, a few of those guys have become really important players for the, their teams. I mean, Hunter Renfro is clearly really important. Uh, Dalton Schultz has become even more important now with uh, Dak Prescott missing for a period of time. Uh, we know what's happening in the offense in, in Denver. So Jerry Judy, obviously missing any time would not be ideal for uh, for Russell Wilson. Ah, uh, Devin Duvernay has been somewhat of a revelation for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a bunch of plays that are kind of listed as questionable now, and and we know you're both as as you know football fans, as punters, as fantasy managers that you know the the dreaded questionable tag is the worst thing to happen uh, leading into a, a new week of football, and uh, I guess yet yet to be seen the impact of some of those injuries, but like like you said, Trey Lance, the big one. And obviously not going to be back this year for San Francisco, but you're right. They've, they've got a capable backup in Jimmy G. And and I think ultimately the way that they they built that franchise is kind of more suited, I think, to Jimmy G than Trey Lance at the moment. Uh, and I think we spoke about that in our, uh, in our season preview uh, across some of those other, uh, you know, the division previews and, and that sort of stuff. So that's one to keep an eye on. But uh, getting into some of the talking points out of week two uh, and the season so far, Ryan, the Miami Dolphins, that was one hell of a comeback. Are they the real deal? You'd like to think so after that incredible performance
1: in week two. I mean, they were pretty solid. Week one did what they needed to against a a pretty – you know, we now know that they're not going to be a, a, a giant killer, the Patriots, as, as we probably predicted, but the Dolphins looked really good, and I absolutely cannot wait for this unbelievable matchup in week three. They've got the Buffalo Bills at the perfect time. It's a great, great time to test themselves against the league's best and clear Super Bowl favorites again after they dismantled the Titans uh, on Monday night football. But yeah, the Dolphins, what an unbelievable comeback. I was a bit, a bit worried when I saw the scoreline at halftime, 28-7, and... <laughs> I was very keen on the Dolphins to cover that line, but what an incredible comeback! And some of that, uh, you know, we, we've we've lauded the the Miami defense, but that offense was just on another level on the weekend with um, with Tour having a career day, of course, and and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill creating havoc. But God, that was a, an incredible matchup, and you know, still not the craziest result probably of week two, if you can believe that, but. Uh, yeah, incredible performance and, and like I think, like we, I kind of touched on last week, I feel like there's something special happening in Miami and uh, obviously it's only, you know, we're only two weeks into the season and they could get a, a a harsh reality check this week against the best team in the comp, but God, I think it's going to be an incredible matchup. They, the, Josh Allen has owned that rivalry and, and that team in recent years though, so yeah, like I said, perfect time for the Dolphins
0: to match up against them. It does, it does feel like a different Miami Dolphins team, though, doesn't it? it I mean, it, 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 they're showing the potential, and, and we, we know the amount of talent both on on defense and offense now after some of the moves that they made in the offseason. There's a heap of offense uh, and, and talent on offense as well, but we ha- hadn't really seen that before out of any Miami team in the last couple of years, any type of real you know, athleticism or, or dynamicism on, on offense, and now... Yeah, adding adding Tyreek Hill has it feels like it's given to a new niece, a new lease of on life. And uh watching that final quarter was was quite unbelievable and and broke a couple of franchise records. So it's gonna be really interesting. They've obviously only just scratched the surface in, in Miami about their potential and, and what they could possibly do this season. But you're right know, it's gonna be a real litmus test for them this week against Buffalo to kind of see how they are progressed and, and where they sit against, you know, the the best team in the competition. But we move on to Feels like your New York Giants. I know you've moved from the uh, the Washington football team to <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, and and it feels like the last few weeks you're you, you're really high on on the New York Giants. They've now beaten the Titans and the Panthers. Is is there enough? Is there enough now in the bank to to, to say that they're back in business?
1: I uh, look, it, it's their best start since 2016. The first time they've been two and zero and. I know another team in that um, that division is actually 2-0 for the first time since the same year that we will touch on in a sec. But the Giants, yeah, I mean, they've done what they needed to do. They haven't been winning by much. Obviously, they beat the Titans by a point. They've only just snuck over the line against the Panthers, who aren't going too well themselves. They've lost nine straight dating back to last year. So there's some real concerns if in Carolina. But yeah, the Giants have done what they needed to do. Again, the upset win in week one probably hasn't been franked yet because the Titans... Um, you know, haven't shown that they're going to be much chop either this year. So mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks are going to be interesting for the Giants because they really should turn at the quarter part of the season at 4-0. and They've got the Cowboys, who obviously banged up with no Dak Prescott this week at home, and then they've got the Bears at home following that. But then they've got a really good run in the middle of the season as well. They've got matches against the Packers and the Ravens, which will obviously test them. But the Jags, Seahawks, Texans, and Lions, before they head into the, the NFC East slate with Cowboys, Commanders, Eagles, and et cetera, so... The, the draw really opens up for the Giants to be a playoff team potentially this year if they can if they can do what they need to do get to four and0 um they'll start favorites in the next two weeks so yeah why not but like I said I, I just saw some nice signs from them early uh in week one and and happy to keep riding that wave at the moment and and I know both of us are keen to
0: potentially for them to contend continue winning this week I would love for them to win this week, but for different reasons. And the, the only thing is that if they do win this week, it puts me in a really precarious position in our head-to-head on that Giants end-of-season line, but uh, I would love to see the Cowboys lose for obvious reasons. But we touched on it right at the top in the Colts. What is going on in Indianapolis?
1: I, I'd love to answer that, and we might have to get our man Josh Y on to, to try and tell us what is going on down in, in, in Indy because, yeah, it's been an absolute basket case the last few weeks. That 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 performance on uh on last sunday was incredibly bad and while we thought the jags could be a sneaky chance and and the way the jags performed especially in jacksonville against the colts that it could be a bit of a danger game for them and, and especially with no michael Pittman. but god they were horrendous they stunk it up they, they laid a duck egg and and couldn't stop the jags on offense either so yeah huge concerns for the colts uh sitting at owen two. the only saving grace is that they do play in a really poor division and the Jags lead that division with a one-on-one record at the moment. So it's not completely dangerous signs here for the Colts. They've got another tough matchup this week against the Chiefs. So staring down the barrel again of 0-3 start. But we know they're notoriously bad starters, especially in recent seasons, and they usually come home with a wet sail. So I wouldn't write off the Colts just yet. They still have a lot of talent in that, uh, that franchise. But, yeah, it's been a horrendous start. Probably, you know, they're very lucky to be, Oh one and
0: one, rather than that O and two. Yeah, yeah. Horrendous is a great word to describe this start to the season for uh, for Indian. Uh, maybe it's a good call. Maybe we'll try and get uh, we'll try and get Josh back on the show uh, in the next week or two. Maybe, especially if they lose again this week, and and yeah. we know how tough this matchup is for for the Colts this week. But I mean, there are a lot of words to describe where the Colts are at, and DeForest Buckner said it the best when when he said that shit was embarrassing on the weekend, and and. I, th- I still think that they're a far better franchise. I think they're a far better team than what they're showing us at the moment. Yeah. But they can't keep putting this up for for too much longer. Otherwise, the season's going to get away from them. And you and I had a bit of a head-to-head in, in this division as well, in the d- division winner. And we could both be in a bit yeah. of trouble the way we're, yeah. the way uh, we're going. The Jags could um,
1: be the team. Who knows? That's I mean, right. The Titans obviously, 0-2 as well. So, like I said, it's it's a wide-open division almost now where it's, it's you know, well, like we said, we didn't think. Well, I certainly didn't think there'd be two teams from the playoffs in this in this division. So, it's certainly looking that way at this stage. But uh, yeah, Josh might not answer our calls with um, the Colts going this badly, especially if Patrick Mahomes has his way with them this week.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, we might talk a bit about the Jags a little bit later on. Uh, another team that p- potentially not performing. Uh, up to standard, and that's the Steelers' defense. They're just not the same team without TJ Watt. Uh, they weren't able to uh, to put up a sack last week and just look a completely different outfit without uh, without their man in the middle.
1: Yeah, no sacks at all against, you know, not an amazing Patriots offensive line, and they only had one tackle for loss the entire game. So, yeah, they they obviously face a, a pretty run-heavy offense this week on Thursday Night Football, so to see if they can stop the run there because we know – that's going to be the ground and pound game that the Browns are going to come at, uh, come with them at. So, uh, yeah, the Steelers, that was a disappointing result for them. They still managed. Mitch Trubisky obviously doesn't look uh, overly confident with that offense either. So we could see uh, the rookie unleashed pretty soon. But uh, I think Trubisky will earn himself another couple of weeks to see what they can get out of that Steelers offense. But, yeah, the defense, it's certainly a different kettle of fish without TJ Watt in that lineup, isn't it?
0: It certainly isn't. I think you're right. I think Trubisky's got another couple of weeks in the bank before uh, before they head down that, that route, but uh, really interesting times in, in Pittsburgh. So one to to keep an eye on over the next few weeks because there could be some major changes coming in that franchise as well. Uh, the Bengals, they are on all-time season sack pace. They've allowed 13 sacks in two weeks, which is on pace for 110.5, which would break the single-season record set by the 86 Philadelphia Eagles. And the issues across that entire offense from the offensive line to Joe Burrow at quarterback to Zach Taylor and the, the play calling. And we've spoken about this a lot in the, the past few weeks, whether it's in, in in week one or week two or in season previews, but that retool of the offensive line just hasn't worked as yet. Either Colin simply doesn't work next to Jonah Williams with, with what the Bengals are trying to do, or maybe he's just not a hundred percent healthy yet, but they do need to put some help around him because they need to protect Joey Burrow. He's their franchise man. They need to protect him. Uh, they've got to keep him healthy for a start, but they've, they've got to protect the ball uh, secondly. And, and you know, whether that's using a tight end to, to block more around him and next to him, or in a worst-case scenario, use someone else on those kind of drop-back plays because the current setup just isn't working. And Joe Burrow, for all his talent, is not Lamar Jackson. He's not Jalen Hurts. That 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 situation just not does not suit him, and it's really costing the Bengals at the moment. Yeah, he's, he's a pocket passer, and, and that's about
1: it. I mean, he can use his legs, but not to when he's scrambling and running for his life behind that shaky offensive line. And as you said, it just hasn't worked yet. In saying that, they've come up against a TJ Watt-led defense, and then a Michael Parsons-led defense is my only kind of saving grace for the Bengals. They've come against probably the two best or two of the best edge rushers in the whole league, so... To
0: face them, might might get some respite from that this week.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. They're, they're coming up against the New York Jets, so this is the time now, isn't it? They need to win this game and win it well, and, and show the world that they're still a, a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, an 0-2 start isn't ideal. The the sack the sack um the sacks are very concerning, especially when Joe Burrow is you know he hasn't had any time in the pocket either to kind of make those passes. So his stats are down for a, for a reason because he's either throwing. Off balance, or he's running and scrambling, and, and then hitting the ground hard. And and to your point, we saw what what it did to Justin Herbert last week. So we know we know Joey Burrow needs to stay upright, and and because he is the franchise man for that for that Bengals team, so they should get back on track this week against a weaker defense. But yeah, it is slightly concerning. The again, saving grace is that the Ravens uh, didn't get off to that two zero start, which they looked for all money that they would. And, uh, of course, the, the Steelers and the Browns are both one and one So the Bengals are still within touching distance of their AFC North rivals, but they need to get on the board pretty soon, and, and I think they will this week, of course. But who
0: knows with the JET Jets? Um, they're flying. <laughs> well, They might be your next team, by you know, the sounds Yeah, will we'll just jump ship
1: where, wherever. <laughs> Every, um, everywhere. That's what you're team. making me out to be. I don't like that. <laughs> but anyway, I can take it.
0: Oh, uh, we we'll, we'll see how we go uh, the Eagles two and zip you mentioned uh, another team yeah, two yeah. and zip for the first time since two thousand and sixteen and that is the Eagles, and that was the year before they won the Super Bowl but I mean they don 't look perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they do look ominous uh what 's your take on the, uh, the the bird Gang?
1: yeah they 've been impressive um, they 've done what they need like again that that game on Monday Night football I missed most of that second half and um judging by the box score, it was a bit of a snooze fest. Or, I mean, it was still interesting, but we saw Aaron Sipos' tackle. That was probably the highlight of the second half. Wow, that was incredible. And and really changed the momentum where the Vikings were potentially going to get on top there with that, um, that return touchdown. It could have changed the game completely. And then we saw what the Eagles' defense did straight after that on the next drive. And that's probably where... They've been most impressive so far, the Eagles. We knew they'd be solid in defense, but the, the way they shut out the Vikings uh, last week, especially um, yeah, shutting down Justin Jefferson, we saw how good um, the defense was on that occasion. and They obviously picked off Kirk Cousins three times, but wow, your boy. Well, I'm not sure if he's your boy exactly yet. You've, you've probably warmed to him a lot more after the first half performance on, um, on Monday Night Football. That was a, a perfect... Perfect half from him as good as a quarterback can play. And, yeah, that was exciting. And he was just making plays, uh, play after play. You know, the, the offensive line um, probably didn't do their job as well as they – were we probably come used to in that first half, but good getting out of the pocket, moving the ball around and, and sharing it around to his receivers. Devontae Smith was the beneficiary this week, as we saw AJ Brown get off the leash in week one. So that's the key thing as well with the Eagles. You've got so many weapons you can – you can go to now. So yeah, they're looking good. Very looking, looking very good. And, and certainly look like a playoff team in the NFC.
0: Still, still plenty to improve on for sure, but it, it does look good in Philadelphia. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to, to call in my man. I think, I think he's, he's passed the, uh, the question mark point. I think we now know what he can do. He's sent the benchmark. the The baseline is high. And we know what he can do now. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he can do it consistently. So uh, he, he looks good so far. Um, he's actually in the top 10 rushes in the league at the moment, which is quite amazing uh, given some of the other running backs or given some of the running backs in the league. And, and he actually yeah. uh, is ahead of Lamar Jackson at this point of the season. And so in the early days and small sample size, but uh, things are looking good in Philadelphia. And just want to touch on another team that's looking good. Uh, they've been looking good for a while. They are the preseason Super Bowl favorite, Buffalo Bills. They're getting even shorter in the Super Bowl market, and for very good reason. Can anyone catch them at this stage? My Buffalo Bills, you might want to add in there. But, you
1: know, I've been a long time fan. Uh, look, no, they they look they certainly look the class class act in the AFC and and for the whole league for that matter at the moment, don't they? They. That defense is scary, scary good. And, and we know how good that offense is as well. And, you know, they missed Gabe Davis on the on Monday Night Football. Didn't look like they were down a receiver at all. And, and Josh Allen just makes people look better. And, and Stefan Diggs is an absolute beast. I think a lot of people forgot how good he was in the offseason, you know, talking about the Justin Jeffersons and the Jamar Chasers of the world. I think Stefan Diggs has given a really timely reminder to everyone in the league how how good that guy can be, and and like I said, the the defense looks better with Von Miller in it. Um, not that he was overly impactful, I suppose, on the weekend. But God, they just look good all over the all over the field. Special teams are doing their thing as well, even so, they just look like a solid solid team, and yeah, a huge huge plus in against. It's I think the highest or second highest, I should say, ever through two weeks of an NFL season, or equal second or something around that. Anyway, so they're flying. Yeah, obviously the team to beat so far, but yeah, huge matchup in week three to see if the Dolphins can can run it with them. And if
0: they can pinch it, it really opens up that AFC East. It, it really does. But no, th- those Bills, I mean, they're making really good football teams look decidedly average uh, and, and poor at times. I mean, we, we know that the Titans are not the Titans of 2020 or, or, or whatever, but still, there's still enough talent on both sides of the ball there and, and they just dominated that Tennessee team they did the same with uh with the Rams in week one and we thought maybe it was just a week one aberration for the Rams but uh look this Bills team are just making making others look silly and and they they look scary to start the season and it's gonna be really interesting to see if 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 they have a down a down night uh what that looks like and and who you know has the opportunity to take advantage of that and um you yeah, this this matchup this week against the Dolphins is, uh, is is a really interesting one now. and We might take a look at how our season picks and predictions are tracking after week four once we get to 20% of the way through the season. Because markets are starting to move already a little bit, but um, we might start moving towards week three. And it was a, a mixed week on the punt for us. There were some good ones, some bad ones. Uh, Lock of the week was a a huge disappointment. I know we were expecting a lot out of Cincinnati, and we've spoken about the Bengals a a little bit already, and that offensive line uh, is still a huge work in progress. Uh, I did did find it funny. I said last week that they wouldn't allow Joey Burrow to be sacked seven times again, and and they didn't. Uh, It was only six last week. So (laughs) that that offense, and we know how high octane, how uh, incredible that offense can be uh, stalled again and just left us on the wrong side of the total. Yeah, I mean, field goals hurt. They got mm-hmm. three field goals alone in that
1: third quarter, and, and it was a pretty slow start. But the Cowboys got off the board early, which which gave us a little bit of hope. And heading into that last, I still thought we were a shot. Uh, I thought, you know, the bang- Bengals would spark into action, but it, we eventually fell a touchdown short, which was disappointing. Um, it seemed like we were a long way off, but to only fall a touchdown short was even more disappointing. So, yeah, one and one we go into week three, but we'll bounce back. Um, we had a few
0: bets that I know you're going to run through now, but, uh, yeah, very disappointed with the lock of the week last week. Very disappointing. But we did have some wins last week. We both won on Thursday Night Football. I was on the Chiefs mm-hmm. straight up. Mate, you were on the Chargers and, and covering that line, and uh, that was a nice little middle for us.
1: Yeah, it was, actually. And uh, it looked like the Chargers might, you know, run away. We'll not run away with it, but, yeah, that pick six obviously turned the game, and, God, that... That dart over the the middle where where Justin Herbert was standing on one leg with busted busted ribs. God, it was an incredible performance, and it was an exciting game. But the Chiefs just showed again, I think,
0: to everyone that they're still a a very, very good team. 100%. There was a big one for me, Tampa Bay 1-13, 255, which was nice. You picked the Dolphins line. But uh as, as you touched on, I must have been sweating that big time heading into yeah, that, that was final a, quarter. I think I got
1: a bit lucky in the end,
0: but uh God, that <laughs> was a yeah, incredible
1: comeback. And and then of course the G men very happy to go one up one up on you heads ahead in the year with the that yeah. still got win.
0: Yeah, well it's, it might not be the uh the last time that you get one up on me with the uh with the Giants <laughs> either. But uh we go again into week three and we kick off Thursday night football, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Uh Cleveland Four and minus four and a half. The total is 38 and a half. Very low for these two teams. And despite the fierce division rivalry and the state of both of these franchises at the moment, uh, compared to the last two Thursday night football clashes, this one seems pedestrian. What are you thinking? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And the and the total line is, is proof of that, of, of course. But yeah, I, it was just an incredible meltdown by the Browns last week. It was the first time... Uh, in 2,229 consecutive games, that uh, a team had blown a 13-point lead in inside two minutes, and and all Nick Chubb needed to do was take a knee and not run it in for that touchdown, they would have burnt through um, their timeouts and, and you know kneeled down for a win. But uh, obviously, they they gave him a chance, and um, yeah, they delivered. The Jets. It was an incredible comeback victory. So inexplicably, the, the Browns are sitting at one and one. So it shapes as a crucial game, and yeah, you know. It would have been huge if the Browns could go two and zero, especially with, with Jacoby Brissett under center as well. So disappointing for the Browns. They should bounce back against a, a pretty poorish Steelers team that we saw last week. But who knows? It's an absolute massive stay out game in terms of a head to head or a line bet for me. But there's a couple of good player props and, and ones that you've gone I know you're gonna to touch on. I, I liked both of those um, as as potential plays and, and I've got kind of a another one going on with a few alternative lines with um, with some people like Chase Claypool, Pat Frymouth to, to actually have a good game. And uh, the Browns, on their end, it's going to be more around uh, Amari Cooper, of course, and, and the run game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, no exact player props other than that touchdown score, as you're going to mention.
0: Yeah, I mean, no one can brown like the Browns, right? And, and they <laughs> browned it big time last week. But, yeah, I mean, coming back to this one, they're, they're both – Kind of semi-average defenses now. I think the Steelers are better, but you know, missing TJ Watt, as, as we've touched on, they become just kind of average. Uh, but I think it's the it's the ground game in in Cleveland that wins this one. They're, they're ranked number one in the league after two games for efficiency. I know it's only two games and small sample size, but the Steelers are, are ranked 18 for DVOA rush defense. Uh, they rank quite well actually on actual total defensive numbers, but. It is important to note that at this stage, they've only faced the New England Patriots. And you mentioned kind of, it's, it's not an, an incredible Patriot offense and the anemic Bengals offense so far, and we know how much better they can get. So like you said, staying out of this, this one, it feels pretty spot on with both defense struggling to, to really, uh, you know, impact the, the, the game so far, but I think that there's there's some options there. You've kind of touched on some of these ones that I've got noted down. Nick Chubb, two dollars, is the uh, the obvious one for an anytime touchdown. Najee Harris at two dollars sixty and Kareem Hunt two dollars ninety worth a look uh, with a little bit of value there. But um, some of those other other players that you mentioned, uh, Chase Claypool and Pat Frymouth, are you kind of looking at the the air game?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, I've only taken alternative lines in a, in a in a same game at this stage, so only twenty five plus. So very low, um, low odds. We're just trying to build something up there to, to have an interest in tomorrow's game, which uh, yeah will keep me occupied uh, before I head into a grand final lunch, mate. So I'm very it's going to be a good day tomorrow.
0: Should be a good game. It's it's uh, as we record this, it is Thursday, kind of afternoon Melbourne time on the Australian east coast for anyone listening in the states, and it is the AFL grand final weekend. So there's a bit to look forward to. Uh, don't know if we'll have any uh, grand final multis at the end of the show, but uh, I haven't even looked into that just yet. But no. we'll move into the Monday slate, 3 a.m. Australian Eastern Time, Baltimore at New England. New England plus two and a half, the total is 43 and a half. What happened to the Ravens in that last quarter? It's great for you on the Dolphins, but uh, what happened to the Ravens? Whatever it was, I don't think that these Patriots are those Dolphins,
1: mate. I'd love to know what happened to the Ravens, but yeah, very thankful that it did. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible comeback by the Dolphins, but the Ravens, yeah, certainly uh, went to sleep on defense. They allowed uh, twenty-eight points in that final quarter, incredibly. So, uh, yeah, they the secondary looked all at sea against that Dolphins air raid, as as we've touched on, but. Yeah, the Ravens should bounce back against a, a pretty, you know, again, middle-of-the-road Patriots team. They avoided their first 0-2 start since 2001 with that that win against Pittsburgh. But Baltimore should go in as favorites, and, and they will. And we both kind of like them to cut the line in this one. It's, it is less than a field goal, surprisingly. And, yeah, whether the books reacted to that, to that meltdown by the Ravens. But I think they get back on track pretty quick. Lamar Jackson's had a, a fantastic start to the season. They haven't beaten um, the Patriots, though, in Foxborough since 2012, which was, uh, funnily enough, when Joe Flacco brought them home in the AFC Championship game before they went on to win the Super Bowl. But I I think the Ravens should bounce back in a big way here against, again, like we said, a middle-of-the-road kind of Patriots team who I just don't know where they're going to get their points from to to keep up with Baltimore in this one. So for me, it's uh, Baltimore minus 2.5, mate. How about you?
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. I think there might be a bit of an overreaction or overcorrection from the books, that, uh, which is leading the the, the line here. Um, I just don't think anything about this New England team scares Baltimore. And, you know, I think uh, another big Lamar Jackson game is on the cards. We, we know that he broke Mike Vick's league record of 10 games with 100-plus rushing yards for a QB. Uh, as I mentioned before, currently sits 12th in the league in overall rushing yards. I just don't think – I'm not sure – that the Pats have the defense to keep out Lamar and the, the Baltimore offense. And on the other side, I don't think that they've got enough, especially if, if they're missing Damian Harris. Um, and it sounds like they will, that uh, that they can put enough points on the board to, to beat this Baltimore team as, as well. And we know that defensively they are pretty good. It was a, a hell of a meltdown last week, but defensively the Ravens are pretty good. And I just think that they're better all over the park in this one and, and i'm pretty strong on the uh the baltimore line at at under a field goal and, and i feel like they should win by a little bit more
1: yeah look that yeah that was the way i was leaning i thought i'd see maybe a four and a half mm. potentially
0: even up to five and a half kind of line so yeah minus two. that's and what and i was thinking forward. five five and a half might be about where i was where i was thinking around yeah, that, that, you know, that just up. under a touchdown etc but yeah anything kind of you know, if it stays under a, under a field goal i'll be i'll be smashing that
1: yeah even a flat um, three i'd
0: go into taking for sure on this one. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Next up is, I think, the game of the week, and, and we touched on it uh, a number of times a little bit earlier. Buffalo at Miami. The Dolphins plus 6.5. The total is 52.5. How good is this matchup? I'm not sure either of us saw this coming preseason. I thought we knew that the the Bills were going to be pretty good. I thought we, we were expecting some sort of improvement out of the Dolphins, but not to what we've seen so far. And We, we now have the two-and-zip Miami Dolphins hosting the two-and-zip Buffalo Bills for a top spot in the AFC East, and the Bills, as we've said, looking irrepressible at the moment. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, etc. They are on fire, and the Bills are top ten in DVOA across all three facets facets of the game: offense, defense, special teams. And this really does look like a special team at the moment. Uh, on Miami side, two or three for six touchdowns last week. Like you said, he tied a team record also broke the record for the largest fourth quarter comeback in franchise history. But I think in this one, the bills get it done. I'm not sure I want to take the touchdown spread against that kind of defensive offensive combination in Miami though. And that's, that's what worries me a little bit is that Miami, if they can put four quarters of football, the, the same way they did in that last quarter, uh, last week, they are kind of Buffalo light a little bit, but uh, Nothing on the on the game spread or or anything, but if you're looking for a little bit of value, I thought there might be some value in Jalen Waddle anytime touchdown, at two dollars fifty five could be worth a look. The Bills are ranking just fourteenth in DVOA defense to WR twos, uh, whereas they rank second in the league to wide receiver ones. And Waddle actually puts up close to wide receiver one numbers behind Tyreek Hill. And actually has one more touchdown than Hill at the moment, three to two anyway after two weeks. So might be a little bit of value there, but it is probably. Shorter than I'd like for a, for a receiver too, but I, I think it's probably a better better value play than the obvious in Tyreek Hill. Yeah, look, mate, it's going to be an
1: incredible matchup, and like you said, probably. One that surprised a few of us, including both of us, with uh, the way the Dolphins have performed through the first couple of weeks, especially in that that final quarter as we saw against the Ravens. But the Bills, you could not, in your right mind, bet against them at the moment. They are absolutely flying. And like you said, the touchdown line does look a little bit high to, to take them, even though you would probably on trust. But the way the Dolphins went last week, yeah, it, it's a stay out for me as well, mate. But uh, yeah, the Bills have owned this rivalry as I, as I touched on earlier. Josh Allen has led the team to seven straight wins against the Dolphins. And he's had four, you know, contributed to at least four touchdowns over his last four games dating back to last season. So that includes obviously passing them and rushing. So he's been in red hot form. The Bills have been in red hot form. Only a ridiculous overtime rule stopped them last year and, and they look pretty unstoppable so far through two weeks. But yeah, it was an incredible performance by the Dolphins last week. Like I said, as well, it, it's going to be a great testing material, and it's coming at the perfect time for Mike McDaniel's team as well. So, uh, it, it, by the way, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell were the first teammates ever in that Super Bowl era to record 170-plus receiving yards and two touchdowns during the same game uh, last cool. week. So, they broke records all over the place, but the Bills, yeah, you couldn't bet against them in this one. So, yeah, it's a stay-out, but you'd think the Bills
0: should go 3-0, but... Yeah, can't wait to watch it. Worth the, worth the 3 a.m. wake-up call for sure. Yeah, stay out but must watch, that's for sure. Uh, New Orleans at Carolina, the Panthers plus three. The total is 40 and a half. Have you got anything in this one?
1: Oh, absolutely not. I think the Saints should get it done <laughs> against a, a pretty average Panthers team. But it, they're the kind of games where I think, you know, the Panthers could bob up, but they do have a, a nine-game losing streak, which is the mm. longest active in the league, and, and Matt Rule coming under consistent, um, I suppose, backlash from that Panthers fan fan base. So, yeah, whether or not he kind of makes out the season is going to be interesting to see. But it was a better game from Christian McCaffrey last week. He, he uh, topped over 100 rushing yards, which is the way forward for the Panthers. So if they can get a bit of a um, a leg up from him and he can have a special game. Brian Burns, actually, I know who you are going to touch on, actually started... Looking really good last week. He he kind of terrorized Daniel Jones in that first half. The Giants actually only had sixty whole yards, um, uh, sixty offensive yards last week in the first half. They only had scored on two field goals, thanks to Carolina fumbles in their first two drives. So that's going to be the thing for Carolina if they can, you know, keep the turnovers to a minimum against this pretty, you know, pretty good Saints defense, and they can control the game on the ground. They might be a sniff, but yeah, there's no way you could take them with any confidence. And I think the Saints should,
0: should bounce back
1: after a bit of a meltdown against the uh, Bucks last week.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be pretty close. I, I do like New Orleans here, and I don't think that there's much between these two teams, but I think where the difference lies is that red zone passing offense in New Orleans. Uh, according to Football Outsiders DVOA, it's, it's a pretty even matchup across the field, but that, that red zone uh, pass offense in New Orleans ranked number six to the Panthers' uh, 16th-ranked red zone pass defense, which will uh, allow the Saints to get over the top in in this one. And um, I, I've gone two and zip on these types of bets so far this year, and, and so I'm fairly confident on this one. And I know when I get confident that uh, it will uh, shit itself. So take take that as a warning. But New Orleans one to thirteen at two dollars fifty five, I think is is pretty decent value. I think it'll be close, but I think New Orleans are. Just better. Uh, the other one that I do like, you mentioned Brian Burns. Uh, the market isn't out yet in uh, in the Australian books, but Brian Burns, one or more sacks. Uh, the Saints allow the second most sacks in the league behind Cincinnati. Jameis Winston has been sacked 10 times, including two by Grady Jarrett against the Falcons and five across that front line uh, in the Bucs last week. It's, it's a really good spot for Brian Burns. And uh, James Rosewall, friend of the show, if you're listening, G'day, mate, and uh, we might get you back on the show at some point too, but uh, New Orleans 1-13 to for me and Brian Burns 1 sack. Any final thoughts on that one? No, I actually really like that. I think, um,
1: like I said, Brian Burns was, was kind of came alive last week, and, yeah, against that offensive line for the Saints, that's a that's a really good play. it would be interesting to see how that gets priced when it comes out, but, yeah, don't mind the Saints 1-13 to either, like you said. I think it might stay close, but uh, the Saints should
0: have the edge and the class factor in this one. I feel like Brian Burns gets overlooked a lot when you talk about the best defenders in the league. And and obviously you've got your your Aaron Donalds and your TJ Watts and Micah Parsons. And I I feel like Brian Burns deserves to be, maybe he's not at the, you know, the absolute elite tier in in that regard, but he's certainly very close uh, and he's a very, very good player. And I'd love him. I think every, every team would love a Brian Burns uh, on their defense, but we move into a really important game that's Kansas City at Indianapolis. The Colts plus five and a half. The total is 50 and a half. And as we touched on at the top, that was embarrassing for the Colts in week one. Last week was just a staggering implosion. And it gets worse with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs coming to town. The obvious one here, I think for everybody, is is Kansas City by a touchdown or more, given what we've seen out of Indy. And, And based on that, this line of five and a half Feels a little bit low given the power in, in Kansas City, uh, and especially after you know, once you kind of think about what the Jags put on the Colts last week. But it is it a trap, and can the Colts put it together? I mean, that I'm leaning Kansas City minus five and a half, but it does feel like a little bit of a trap.
1: Yeah, I, I my thoughts exactly, mate. I think you know, it, it's it's right on the fine line of like if you smash that, like it looks so nice that you just want to smash it but yeah these things that you always have to double guess yourself and go Mm. yeah what do the books know so look (laughs) looking into it a bit more in these teams historically they patrick mahomes despite him throwing seven touchdowns and and zero interceptions through the first two weeks of the season he's been far less effective against the colts defense that uh in their two matchups he's only thrown one passing touchdown in those two games against the colts so whether or not the, the Colts have the secret sauce to, to kind of limit Patrick Mahomes in a way, um, that reminds me be seen. It is, of course, in Indy as well, and they should get Michael Pittman back, which will make a, mm-hmm. a huge difference. And same with Shaquille Leonard as well for, um, for the Colts. So they, if they get those two back, they can kind of have, yeah, just get something going with Jonathan Taylor and that offence. Then they might cause Patrick Mahomes a little bit of trouble, but you couldn't bet against the Chiefs in this one. So it's an absolute, well... Yeah, to stay out, I think, officially. But, yeah, I, I'm, I am still tempted by that minus five and a half like you, mate.
0: Very, very tempted. But I feel like I should stay out for my own sanity. And uh, I think just just to not be a degenerate, I feel like I should stay out. But it is, it is super tempting. Um, and we'll see how we will see how we go over the weekend. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota, minus five and a half. The total is 53 and a half. How fun are the Lions to watch at the moment?
1: Yeah, they're fantastic, aren't they? And and Mont Saint Brown is putting up ridiculous numbers, and Incredible. you know now is starting to finally get that recognition um as in the NFL of as being a you know a superstar wide receiver. And Jared Goff has been you know pretty good early days. He he had a couple of moments against the Eagles, and um we saw that, but. He was really solid against the the Commanders last week. They they led 22-0 at the half, did what they needed to do. They got a little bit shaky, but to the Lions' credit, they fought it out and, and won it. And, yeah, they've been really interesting and, and, like you said, a really fun team to watch, surprisingly. So, yeah, I think they're on the right path. And I give them a sneaky hope in this one uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, who we know were still inconsistent. Uh, that was proven again on Monday Night Football, but they may have just run into a really good team, who knows, with Philadelphia. So... Yeah, really keen to watch this one. I think I think the Detroit are sneaky. Um, what did you say that line was around? Yeah, minus five, five and a nine. half. I think that's a decent start for the for the Lions. So, yeah, if that went out to six and a half seven, I'd be very keen to play the Lions. I think, but uh, at that one, I might stay out. But yeah, really interested to see how this one plays out. And if the Lions can win, who knows? Who knows? They could be a sneaky for the NFC North. So who would have thought that? Um, <laughs> so yeah. The, that division is wide open, so this one, this one will be um, keen, uh, fun to watch, and, and hopefully, we see a close game.
0: There, there's a lot to like about what they're doing in Detroit at the moment. I think they're building the franchise the right way. We're starting to see a bit more of the Jared Goff of, of old uh, in his first couple of seasons in, in LA, and that's that's good. I mean, I, I kind of felt sorry for him that he he's got so much talent and he just wasn't able to show it for for whatever reason uh, in those last few seasons, and it, it is starting to come together again for him. But you're right. I don't, I, I feel like they are a bit of a, a smoky in this one. And if that line comes out to even a flat six, mm. I might take that uh, obviously any more than that. And you would yeah, have a, have a big play, but flat six would just about do it for me with, uh, with Detroit. But at the moment, I feel like the, the Vikings might bounce back though. They'd be pretty disappointed with what they put up last week. And, uh, again, yet to be seen whether it was just the Eagles were too good or it was a down night for the Vikings, but you know they're a tough a tough team to get a read on uh, Minnesota, and I feel like they could bounce back in this one, but again they might just not be they might just not be that good. And and Detroit, you know they're building they're building and, and they're looking nice, and that offense is is fun. So yeah, flat six for me would would just about do it. Five and a half is probably a, a stay out for me, uh, but we do. Look at Philadelphia at Washington. The commanders plus six and a half. The total is 47 and a half. What have you got for us?
1: Yeah, they fell back to earth a little bit, didn't they? Uh, against the Lions, as we just touched on. But interesting matchup, this one. And, and Philly really should go to 3-0 and, and really kickstart their season here. But uh, you never know with the, those sneaky commanders. The way they're putting up numbers on offense as well is, has been a good sign for them. Carson Wentz looks mm. a little bit reborn, I suppose, uh, in Washington so far. He's had 600... 600- he's, mm. he's
0: playing? He's playing okay, but he still makes some of those real bad yeah, decisions that Carson he was making at mistakes. the end of his... His yep. tenure in Philly and, and again in Indy, but sorry to, uh, to interrupt you. No,
1: absolutely not. It's a fair point, and but 650 yards and, and seven, seven touchdown passes in his first mm. two games has been, uh, you know, incredible shot on in the arm for that Washington offense. The, the concern for me is still that defense, uh, especially without Chase Young there at the moment. So, Jahan Dotson, the rookie, is flying. He's caught three touchdown passes already this season, so he, he's going um, at uh, incredibly. Uh, incredibly well, they've got Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, so they've got those weapons on the offensive, uh, that offensive um, side of the ball. But yeah, just struggling defensively a bit at the moment to keep teams in check, and and that's where I think uh, your boys will just have their way with them, especially if Jalen Hurts can perform like he did on Monday Night Football, where he threw for over three hundred yards, he scrambled, uh, had you know another over fifty yard performance on the ground with two touchdowns. He's looking. Bloody good. And, and Darius Slay had an unreal game, as, as we touched on earlier. So, yeah, I think the Eagles should get it done and go to 3-0, especially, um, you know, against a division rival. They, they always kind of prime themselves for these games. So let's hope that uh, your boys can beat my old boys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the um the, the Darius Slay Terry McLaurin matchup should be yeah, interesting. Be... I think they're both really good players and, and Slay, I mean big play Slay is in some good form to start the season. So that's uh that's gonna be one to keep an eye on, but just quietly, and and uh yeah, I said that we'll talk about some of our preseason predictions, but just quietly, Jalen Hurts is into thirteen dollars for MVP. Now, when we recorded a couple of weeks ago those season predictions, he was at $26. So there's a bit of a market mover there already, but we'll touch on that. And no play, as always, uh, on the Eagles games for me. Was there uh, anything else from you on that one, mate?
1: No, no, no play for me either in this one. But just take it easy on the Philly MVPs. We know how it turned out with um, in the other code with Joel Embiid, so... <laughs> so it's not well, anymore, Bryce,
0: Bryce Harper won. Bryce Harper won the, the uh, National League MVP for, in the in the baseball last season, so it can be done. But uh, <laughs> the last time the Eagles had an MVP candidate, he blew his knee out towards the end of the season. But we won the Super Bowl, so you know you win some, you lose. Yeah, them. and funnily uh, enough, he's on the opposite side of the. That's right of, of the field this that's time right. around. So yeah, that's a narratives everywhere to, to watch for. Narratives everywhere. Uh, Las Vegas at Tennessee. The Titans plus one and a half. The total is 45 and a half. And I'm not sure I can find anyone in the NFL universe uh, that is confident about anything located even remotely close to Tennessee at the moment. I'm not. uh, I don't trust the Raiders at all either. So it's a big stay out for me. You? Huge stay out. This could go either way. And with both teams sitting
1: at 0-2, it's a a massive, massive game. It's a long way back to make the playoffs at 0-3. Like I said... Uh, incredibly for the Raiders in, the, in that AFC West you certainly don't want to be sitting 0-2 uh, in that division but uh... oh sorry they won their first week didn't they what am I on about they won no they lost they did lose no, yeah they the two. the Raiders yeah, yeah they yep. two. so that's concerning uh, especially the way they <laughs> lost against the Cardinals from nowhere mm. uh, and the Titans were just absolutely blown off the park against the Bills so concerns everywhere couldn't be confident in tipping your a winner in this whatsoever it's uh yeah, a long way back from the 0-3 team, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of have to lead to Tennessee at home, but especially what with what the the Raiders did last week and just capitulating and the only way the Raiders could. So I suppose, yeah, the Raiders and Browns are in that their own little category for that kind of um, disaster, but I don't know about the, the Titans either. It's really hard to be confident on either team at the moment. I did say Raiders would be a a playoff team, and I also said the Titans would be a, a playoff team. So, Owen three for one of them, which is concerning, but yeah, couldn't be confident either way.
0: It's tough, tough from Owen three for for either team. Uh, Cincinnati at the New York Jets. The Jets plus five and a half. The total is forty five and a half. And we, we've touched on the Bengals. There are some really cons- real concerns in Cincinnati. They rank dead last in offensive DVOA at footballoutsiders.com. That would have been unfathomable a few weeks ago. Uh, as we've touched on, they're really struggling across that offensive line, and one way they can protect their franchise QB is that they keep developing that uh, that run game. And, um, you know, it's it's super important. They look, they look so much stronger when they're consistently featuring Joe Mixon running the ball. This is the Jets, though, and they rank dead last in defensive DVOA. Uh, and They've just got three sacks to their name, which is, you know, we we spoke about it before. For a guy that's being sacked as often and as regularly as, as Joe Burrow, that would that would be a nice relief to only be sacked three times. Uh, the Jets have have only they've only got three sacks for the, for the season so far in, in, across two games. So while Joe Flacco has the offense the offense moving uh, and moving the chains, putting some scores on the board, the Cincinnati defense is actually doing its job quite well, at least to a league average level. So in cases like this, I tend to go with a team that's simply more talented. And I do think that the Bengals are a lot more talented than this Jets team. I think that they will put it together sooner or later. It could be this week. This could be the week that Jamar Chase goes big if the Jets' defense can't get to Joey Burrow. So I'm leading Cincinnati by a touchdown. Uh, and that five-and-a-half point line is uh, a little bit unders, I think, in, in relation to the, the Bengals' offense. Yeah. Uh, and if, if it is that week for... Jamar Chase, then the 76 and a half uh, receiving yard line looks tasty.
1: Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think, yeah, if he can get off the leash, uh, he'll be the man to get off the leash, I should say, if if, if Joey Burrow can stay upright. And if, if they do only get sacked three times, as you mentioned, uh, if, he, if he only goes down three times, they'll win and win easy, the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's way too much talent on that on that roster not to not to win um, against the Jets. So, yeah, minus five and a half does look tempting as well, but uh, I haven't made it an official play. But yeah, the Bengals should get on the board and and, um, and beat the the Jets this week.
0: Hashtag beat the Jets. Uh, <laughs> Monday, six a.m. Jacksonville at the LA Chargers. The Chargers minus seven. I think this is the biggest line of the week. The total is forty-seven and a half. And I guess the question is in this one: is was that Jacksonville demolition of the Colts last week an aberration, mate? or have they really improved that much? They've certainly
1: improved. I don't think they've improved enough to, to be worrying the Chargers, or well, they, they shouldn't, um, depending on who stands at quarterback for them, I suppose that's going to be the question for the Chargers, is I haven't heard any news to say that Justin Herbert will miss, but he's certainly going to be banged up after what we saw uh, last Friday or Thursday night football um, on Friday our time, I should say. So, yeah, the Jags, did what they needed to do. They they got off the board, had a win, which was yeah, very unlike the Jags over the last couple of years. So Trevor Lawrence couldn't yeah, he still hasn't um you know, probably lived up to his potential quite yet, but he he had his most efficient game as a pro, I'd say, last week. He had 25 for 30, 235 yards, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk looks like he's fitted into that offense really well. James Robinson still, funnily enough, leading that offense on the on the ground, and Trevor Setien's kind of struggling a little bit early days. Uh, He'll come good, I think, though, and yeah, the Jags are starting to build something, but they certainly don't compare to what the Chargers have at their disposal on offense or defense. So like I said, if Herbert were to miss, then this game becomes interesting, very interesting, and you'd almost take that line uh, against the Chargers uh, and the Jags plus, but if Justin Herbert suits up, they should be winning the Chargers and getting back on the winning side this week. So, yeah, it's a stay-out. But uh, let's hope Justin Herbert is right to play because he is our quarterback in fantasy and, and quarterback in my a couple of other leagues for me. So
0: let's hope he's healthy and upright and it should be a good game. Quarterback in our hearts. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think just keep an eye on on whether he plays, if, if you start hearing uh, whispers that he's not going to play, then I reckon you probably smashed that Jacksonville line. But uh, for what it's worth, while I, I, I do agree, I think the the Jags have certainly improved. The, it, it's clear that the Chargers are a much much better team than the Jags, and given Jacksonville have lost their last eighteen road games on the trot, and the Chargers have covered their line in each of the last nine matchups against the Jaguars, I feel like I don't have much of a choice than to take the Chargers by a touchdown or more. Uh, That is, again, assuming Justin Herbert plays, of course. uh, Chargers minus seven Um, for me. And and I think you agree on that one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: But yeah, I think it's um, the Chargers should be getting back on track, as you said. So let's hope that's the case and they can stay alive in that AFC West race.
0: Uh, Houston at Chicago. The Bears minus two and a half. The total is 40 and a half. Anything here?
1: No, I know we skipped over it, sadly, by accident, but uh, there's not much to add, to be honest. So, uh, look, the Bears, it's a really interesting game, though. I think the Bears should be favourites at home, but the Texans have been plucky in the first couple of weeks and probably stiff not to have won at least one game. So maybe there's some value in the Texans in this one, but, yeah, couldn't be confident in betting in this one. But if you're an absolute degenerate and you have to, then maybe take the Texans at that plus, Um, although I'd like to see it go out to that flat three. If I was confident in taking the Texans, but <laughs> yeah, it's it, tough game to pick.
0: Yeah, no, my my fault for skipping over that in the run sheet. But uh, in my, I thought defense, you did it it deliberately. A, to be honest, it is an incredibly forgettable <laughs> game, and I've got zero want to be involved in anything in this one. It's a no play for me. Uh, Atlanta at Seattle, Seattle plus one. The total is forty-one and a half. What have you got for us?
1: Very interesting game this one, and and the Falcons have been surprisingly good the last couple weeks and and again very stiff to be 0-2 that would have been a a comeback for the ages and and one of the shocks of the century if they ended up pulling off that victory against the Rams where Mm -hmm. you know they were just outside the red zone and about to go um, take the lead but thankfully Jalen Ramsey popped up and made that incredible interception to save the Rams there but yeah, good on the Falcons for fighting back and especially from when they trailed 28-3, which is, we know, not a great scoreline for for Falcons um, supporters. So it was impressive, though, that Marcus Marietta kind of led him, uh, you know, back in that game. And, and the defense was decent as well, turning Matthew Stafford and, and that Rams offense over a couple of times as well. But, yeah, it's such a hard one to pick. And, and with two, you know, we know they're going to be at the the bottom end of the NFC, these two teams. But... You just have to kind of lean to the home team in, in these kind of contests. But the Seahawks, uh, you know, they don't often often lose, you know, get blown out. and So they've, they've covered the line in seven of their last nine home games following a loss as well. And um, four, of the last four, four of the last five games between these two teams have gone over the total match points line. And, and like you, I think that's where I'm leaning to play in this one. I think the line at 41.5 is actually quite low. And uh, we'll see some points in this one. But, yeah, hard to pick a winner. You'd have to say Seahawks potentially at home, but they are the outsider in this one. So uh, if you're going off form the last couple of weeks, though, you would probably have to say Falcons. Um, they have performed better over the first couple of weeks. But that 12th man, don't be underestimate that in Seattle. And, uh, yeah, over 41.5 actually looks like a decent play in this one. It is a
0: going to be a hard watch, though. <laughs> Yeah, very very hard watch. I'm not sure it's a it's a watch at all, to be honest. But yeah, I agree. I think that that total line is is very short given that the Falcons have put 27 on you know, some pretty decent defenses. The you know, 27 on the Rams, 26 on the Saints. Uh, the Seahawks put two touchdowns on the Broncos. I just think there are points in this one, and mm. I don't know. I I feel like neither of these teams are very good, and and we know they're going to be you know, fighting out for those those you know, draft picks at the end of the season, but yeah, I feel like they can both put on, put on a score in this one. And, and that 41 and a half just feels very, very low again. Maybe, maybe it's a trap we touched on kind of trap plays a little bit earlier, but it just feels like my gut says that that's way too low. And that should be you know, further up at that kind of 47 and a half or 48 really. Um, so I'll, I'll be having a play on that one for sure. Um, Green Bay at, Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers minus one and a half. The total is 41 and a half. And when I was putting my plays together for this one, we, we obviously hadn't chatted. We can see what we've we've got now on our run sheet. But when when we put these together separately, we don't know what, it, what each other's thinking. And I just thought that Tampa Bay at home minus one and a half might be the greatest gift of the week. What are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> it's hard to argue, mate. I, I thought the line would be somewhere up over three absolutely for one and and if not going up towards that five five and a half and um well shocked to see only one and a half as well mate i think that uh tampa will win the battle of the bays in this one and uh just from what i've seen on their defensive end there's no way aaron Rodgers and his receivers can score against this bucks team like yes they were impressive against the bears but they had to lean on that run game and and while they had a few big plays, you know, late in that one to kind of seal it, I uh, just the Bucks' defense looks incredible. And it's the right Bears. Way. It was the Bears. Yeah, it was, exactly. <laughs> it was the Bears. You're right. And the Bucks, while they haven't been performing overly well on offense themselves, and there's still going to be question marks over their receivers this week with Godwin out last week, Julio Jones out. Mike Evans, of course, is suspended for this one. is uh, another um, one to lock in. But Cole Beasley has joined the practice squad and likely will suit up for this matchup, uh, a veteran wide receiver who will no doubt sl- slot straight in, and, and Tom Brady will, will look for him early to get him engaged. But it could be a d- big day for Lenny, a uh, big playoff Lenny in this one, and, and I think he could have a, a big say in that that Bucks defense as well, of course. So, um, yeah, I like the Bucks really a lot in this one as well, at minus one and a half for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel exactly the same. Tampa Bay are ranked number two in DVOA defense. They've taken out the Cowboys and the Saints, and both of them can put points on the board. The Packers have the 30th-ranked rush defense, and we know what Leonard Fournette, you've mentioned playoff Lenny, can do. He's had 127 yards against the Cowboys, another 65 against the Saints, uh, and that's a pretty decent defensive front as well. So keep an eye on, on his um, touchdown prices. Uh given he hasn't scored one yet. So he, he is due. Uh, the Packers ranked 23rd against the run in the red zone as well. But yeah, I'm big on the Bucks at that minus one and a half. Lenny Fournette over 70 and a half rush yards will probably make up part of that uh, same game multi for me as well with a, an anytime touchdown, uh, I reckon, as well, once that market opens. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's a really interesting one. I, I'm just wondering if there's something... Do you, do you reckon it's the Mike Evans effect, and that's that's kind of brought that line down? But no, they've got enough talent. They've got even their their reserve receivers are quality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, I mean, Russell Gage is, still hasn't done much yet this season, but he he's got quality. They've got as well. There, there's enough r- Scottie weapons Scottie there. Scotty Miller still there. Scotty Miller's still there. They've still got um you know the the couple of big tight ends, Cameron Break, Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're way better way better offensively than the Packers in terms of the receiving calls of course they've got a a pretty handy running back duo the Packers but um, on offense despite Mike Evans being out they've got more weapons than the Packers and at home the way that defense is playing I think it's going to be a long night for Aaron Rodgers
0: yeah agreed Uh, Los Angeles Rams at Arizona the Cardinals plus three and a half the total is 48 and a half what have you got?
1: Yeah, that seems like a low line as well. And I know you're keen on the Rams at that line. Uh, as in like, yeah, I thought that would be a high line. Um, for the Rams, the Cardinals did nothing, absolutely nothing that first half last week looked deplorable. Looked like it was certainly going the wrong way, and it was going to be an 0 and 2 start for the Cardinals after they got blown off the park in week one. But to Colombur's credit and that and that offensive, that whole offensive crew and Cliff Kingsbury they got things going in the second half and stormed home to to beat the Raiders in overtime. And the Rams almost capitulated against, you know, we know the Falcons aren't going to be much chop. So hard to know what to make for this one. Again, the gut tells me that the Rams should be doing it and doing it well and covering that line, even though they are away from home. The Cardinals have actually been better on the road than they have at home in recent seasons, especially last season. So I don't think that's a, a huge factor for the Rams. They'll probably... Enjoy getting on the road and, and getting away, and, and hopefully, you know, for, for their sake, getting back on track and get that Super Bowl defense back on track. But yeah, I, I don't see the the Cardinals really, you know, troubling the Rams in this one. I, the Rams should get it done, and uh, they've they've certainly owned this rivalry in recent seasons as well. And and I don't see that um, that changing. They've won ten of their last eleven against the Cardinals, so. Going to take something special for the Cardinals to get it done, and I just don't see it happening yet. So, the Rams, for me, yeah, I want to make that a play as well, actually. Minus three and a half for the Rams looks, yeah, I'll jump on with you, mate. I think
0: (laughs) there you go. Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one that at the moment, at the moment, and we know that the Rams quite haven't shown, you know, their best football yet, neither have the Cardinals, but they sit side by side at 28th and 29th on the overall DVOA rankings according to Football Outsiders, but the Rams rate far more attractively on uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is troubling for the Cards, given the Rams have conceded 31 to the Bills, 27 to the Falcons already. So if the Cards are, are not rating well defensively, then yeah, they're in a bit of trouble. Um, but we do know that against the, the Falcons, one of those was a blocked punt return for a touchdown, plus the extra point there, then a safety at the end. So maybe that takes 10 points off the Rams you know, and what they've conceded In the last couple of weeks we know that the cards offense is better than the falcons anyway so that point really is is moot but i guess what i'm trying to say poorly is that there should be points in this one uh and i I like the overs here i think that both both teams are going to put points on the board uh over 48 and a half and if i had to lean one way uh then at this line it's the rams because of that red zone efficiency that that they've got um I'd, i'd rather it was yeah, I, I don't know. I'm leaning that way. We'll see if uh, if I get a bit more confident over the course of the week, and you, you might be able to talk me into it. It's, well, there's uh, a guy called Cooper Cup. Um,
1: play, plays plays for the Rams. Not sure if you've heard of him, but he's pretty damn good, and he'll he'll he score okay? plenty of points. Hey, is he okay? Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I don't know how well, long. What does he do? He's been in the league for? I think he's a, a running back, but he he gets lots of points. <laughs> nah, look, he he's a superstar, and and and. He's had an incredible start to the season off the back of what we saw was, you know, we thought might be, a, you know, a generational kind of year uh, last year. So, yeah, he's taken his game to another level, and there's no reason that uh, he won't be scoring again in this one. So play your Cooper Cup lines, play your anytime touchdown scoring to him because there'll be points in this one.
0: Love it. Love it. Monday morning, Australian Eastern, 10.20 a.m. San Francisco at Denver Denver, plus one and a half. The total is 44 and a half. Anything in this one?
1: No, nah, I think it's uh, it's toxic, this game. Absolutely, mm-hmm. the way Russ Wilson's performed the first couple of games. The fact that it's in Denver, This, if, if it was in San Fran, I'd be smashing the Niners, but uh, we know that mile-high kind of um, altitude usually gives the Broncos a little bit of an edge at home. But the way they performed last week, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pooey by the Broncos so far, and, and the Niners—you um, know—too early to tell. But
0: I think the Niners should win. But no way, I'm playing in this game. Yeah, some yeah. bewildering decisions, bewildering play calling, it's bewildering throws uh, out of that Denver offense last week. Just bizarre. Uh, as we touched on Jimmy G back in, in San Francisco, which probably helps the Niners at this point, but no, not touching this one with a 40-foot pole. Um, Tuesday, 10.20 a.m. Australian Eastern Time, Dallas at New York Giants. The Giants, minus one. The total is 39.5. Anything in this one? Yeah, I think that's, a, like you said, we
1: saw that talked about the Tampa Bay gift. I, I don't think that's on the same level as, it, as that, but it, it seems like... A nice play here against the Cooper Rush-led Cowboys team. I know he's 2-0 in his career, and he's he's looking okay. Michael Parsons is creating havoc on the defensive end. But, yeah, the G-men should be too good for the Cowboys, I think. And, and the way they've started, they, they've certainly, um, yeah, impressed me. And, and I think they can go on there, go on to three and zip. That'll be yeah, a long way back for you mate In our head to head but you know the cowboys did their, did what they needed they did really well last week um you know they got after joe burrow but uh, this is a different kettle of fish so with this offensive line for the giants so yeah super interesting game i'm actually keen to watch this one a lot but uh i'd have to stick with the giants on this one and take the minus one
0: i had this closer to a field goal than a single point so at minus one i have to lean the giants i mean Given what they've shown in the first couple of weeks, where the Cowboys are at, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a play on on the Giants line, but uh, yeah, real solid, real solid watch, and I just hope that they beat up on each other. <laughs> um, that's the end of the week three slate, so I guess we should probably decide on a, a lock of the week.
1: I think we have to go Bucks, don't we? I think that was the one that that um, really jumped off the page for both of us this week, so.
0: Um, uh, yeah, let's take the Bucks minus one and a half, Brady V Rogers. Tampa Bay minus one and a half is the lock of the week. Confirmed. We are one and one on the locks, so hopefully we get back into the uh positive category uh as we come together again next week. Any other I guess lines or plays that you like this one? Um for this
1: week, yeah, I, I do like there's a couple we do agree on. I like the Giants. I do um to, to cover the line at minus one, I really like the Ravens minus two and a half, probably my two other stronger ones. And then, yeah, I think uh, you've talked me into the Rams at minus three and a half, and we, we both like the overs in the Seahawks-Falcons. So, again, we're aligned on a lot, which is, yeah, either a good thing or a bad thing. We, we still haven't worked that out, but uh, so far it's been not too bad this season. But um, disappointing to be one and one in the locks, but I think we'll get back in front of the ledger after this week.
0: Well, as always, uh, when it comes to your gambling, don't listen to anything we say unless we're winning, in which case, listen to everything that we say and we'll take yep. all the credit. Uh, but that just about wraps it up for us this week. Uh, as always, you can get us at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I should say, at Punt Return Pod, on Instagram, at NFL Podcast. We're on Facebook and TikTok as well, although we haven't really done much on TikTok since uh, the season started. But um, someone tell us what we should do there because we have no clue. <laughs> Um, Other than that, we will talk to you guys soon. Go Birds. Go Bills.